from our studios here at the Great South Bay in Long Island, New York. This is our own Turf Wars podcast. Here's your host, Matthew Outlay. From the studios of Home Tour Sports in New Long Island, New York, this is, of course, Home Tour Sports. I'm Matthew Holly. I'm your host. Folks, welcome to the end of February. February 28th, 2022. Tomorrow begins, the, tomorrow begins the first of a whole new month. But let's be honest with you. We, base, we're on Baseball Watch. We're going to be ta- talking about that later today. But first, let me tell you this. For when you are an organization, and there's a lot of people pumping up some money to keep things afloat, I mean, what do people do? They say, this is good investment. They got people, and we got more people involved. But there's going to be some idiots out there that's going to shit on it and shit on it. And one specific goofus I, I got to mention on here is like J-Dog. It's like J-D-A-W-G. I mean, the name is, has the same name, it says the same name as a rapper, but only he's got a hyphen in there. I mean, I saw a video of his says like earlier this weekend, like bitching and moan. It sound like you're bitching and moaning. Every time I do Hunter Sports, I don't go go off bitching and moaning and say, "Oh man," unless of course the Knicks suck or or my or I love Giants is sucking, but. For this video, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, always like, what's that, my dogs? Welcome to the channel. Let's have a good time. I'm not out here to have a good time. I'm out here to because their channel basically sucks. It ain't. I mean, you put a one billion dollar. The NBA put a the, the WNBA has put up got like a billion bucks from. I mean. Prominent investors. I mean, you got, I mean, let's face it. There are 12 teams in w, in the WNBA that are, some of them, five of them are owned by the NBA, franchise, NBA team owners. For example, the New York Liberty. Joe Sy owns, owns that team along with the Brooklyn Nets. Ted, Leono, Ted Leonis. He owns the Wizards. He also owns the Capitals. He also owns the Mystics. The Simon Brothers. They own the, they own the Pacers and the Fever. Robert Sarver. He owns the Sun and the Mercury. I'm looking, I'm thinking real hard. I mean, no, no. I mean, the Dream is owned by a consortium. Like, you know. Renee Montgomery's in that group. Um, the the storm is owned by a four stand hoops, which is a group of women. The sun is the Connecticut Sun is owned by by Mohegan Sun. Okay, mm. the Chicago Sky, privately owned. Dallas Wings. Dave Cameron owns the team. Um, I'm still thinking, I'm still thinking, I mean, this is probably, this is probably hilarious for me. And even the Aces are owned by Mark Davis, Raiders owner. But for an organization they put up to get more to get money to give put get money for long term for long term transformation of the league. I mean, here's a look at the um, 
as of course, the uh, press release says the WNBA announces close of capital raise to fuel investment in long-term transformation of the league. Um, business and sports entertainment's leaders, Michael and Susan Dell, Karen Fenneman, Linda Henry, the Haslam. Of course, the Haslam is, of course, co-owner of the of the Cleveland Browns, along with her husband, Jimmy Haslam, um, Whitney and Whitney Johnson, secretary, secretary, former secretary Condoleezza Rice to be equity partners. WNBA change maker Nike Incorporated Inc. strengths and support by investing the lead in the league. Of course, league's first ever capital raise to build on momentum around WNBA and women's sports enable values values driven investors to support women at women athletes. A lot of names, a lot of names, a lot of names in there. Of course, Mickey and Nick Garrison. Of course, guys, the guys, the people watching all the Miami Heat. Bill Cameron, owner of the Dallas Wings, Lauren Powell Jobs, Jenny Gilder, Mark Walter. One of the part owner, one of the owners of the Sparks, Ted Leon it, Leonis, Leonis, who owns the Caps, the Capitals, the Mystics, and the Wizards, the Simon family, the owners of the Indiana Pacers and the Indiana Fever, Joe and Clara Sai, uh, owners of the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Liberty, are among among WNBA and NBA owners to reaffirm their commitment to their league as part of investor group. Now let's get to that. I mean, I, I mean that's a good thing because this is a part of a good investment. You put up more money and you go on YouTube to shit on it. And like, I done I done podcasts that trash people for being a bit idiotic. I do because it's not and it's not an everything. It's not an everything for me. It's not. It's not. It's not for me. I do this a lot. Look at the comment section. I'm like, I know how value the channel at one billion. <laughs> what an idiot! That channel's like, like ten cents, twenty five bucks, ten bucks. I value my podcast as two candy bars and a coke. I done podcast. I can say I could laugh at that shit. I can laugh at that shit because you're pretty much stuck at being a content. That is like. Lazy, and this is a guy. I mean, he made videos about the WNBA and its trash product. I mean, can like Candace Lee, can Candace Lee get a better, be a better product for once? I'm like, you got UConn, former UConn Huskies in the league that, that could outrun you or outpace you, for example. Tina Charles, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi. I mean, I mean, uh, Maya Moore not in the league right now, but that counts. But then there's other players winning from going to different colleges, but are a success in the league. Elena Deladon from Delaware, uh, Sabrina Ionescu from Oregon, um, Brittany Griner from Baylor. Candace Parker from Tennessee, you know, ten, right out of Tennessee, a Pat Summit disciple. And I see no value in this con for that video whatsoever. He he just he just plugs in. I think he plays way too much NBA 2K. 2K. I mean, here's the thing. When when the NBA Live 19, NBA Live 19 had WNBA at the WNBA on. It didn't have a season. It didn't have it. It's just an ex, it's had a, a players a team, the teams and players. Same that happened a year prior, but when that ended, that the league went over to 2K Sports, and it got re, and it added revenue to it, and added revenue. So yeah. They get more publicity because they're on 2K. They've been doing this ever since. So, yeah, you're just whining and moaning that this product sucks. I mean, there are some Huskies that play the right way. Some guys, some ladies are doing things that get attract, attract attention. I mean, for me, I'm a basketball fan. 
I don't care if it's the college game or the or the professional league. Everybody deserves the right to be successful. They can set my podcast to scratch. I say, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what you say because I'm very honest about what I do. Because I do not take a dude who uses a bulldog. If it right, looks like a red bulldog. It looks like a what sounds like a white me, mediocre white guy. Jerry Dog, your boy. Sounds like a mediocre white guy to me. I'm half black, half white. What again? What again? Who get? Um, Want to fight about that? I've done. I've done. I can be honest about it. I can be sadistic. But this is a this is a business. If you want to, if they want to make a profit, they can turn make them to stars. I mean, let's face it: the Seattle Storm. Or a for have been a force in the WNBA for a long time because of Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. The Mercury's getting money because of Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner. I mean the the Liberty, they're the same, they're owned by the same people that got you to bunch you to Brooklyn Nets right now. And of course, all that you you bitch and you Bitching and moaning about how they're gonna get the investment. There's a lot of money. There's gonna be a lot of money going into the 26th season. Liz Cambage, we get Liz Cambage is leaving Vegas for Los Angeles. Sue Bird is returning for her final run. I mean, the, the Liberty just there were a lot of coach the coaching carousel came to a bump stop. But Becky Hammond will be coaching the Vegas, Las Vegas Aces. Right after the NBA, right after the NBA season, Sandy Bondello will be coaching my beloved, the beloved New York Liberty, which is my hometown WNBA team. It's a lot of money, and there's a lot of people involved in this. Mickey, J- Mickey, and Nick Harrison, the guy, people that got the men, my man who run the Heat. Mickey Harrison is the big, it's the father. Bill Cameron runs the wings. Squint Cash is the Pelicans' vice president of basketball operations and team president. Baron Davis, NBA legend. Michael Susan Dell. Minority investors of the San Antonio Spurs. Karen Fetterman. It's, it's been like Paul Gasol. Well, probably be in a Hall of Fame. Probably could be in a Hall of Fame right about now. Hall of Fame real soon. I actually. Jenny Gilder, Seattle Storm co-owner, D and D Haslam, Whitley Johnson, the owners of the ha- of the Browns and the Crew, along with Jimmy Haslam, of course. Linda Henry of the Boston Globe, of the Boston Globe, involves the Boston Globe. They're going to see on the Boston. She also also part owner, along with the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool FC, with the husband John W. Henry. Yuck, I hate the word, but I hate using the word Boston Red Sox, folks. But it is what it is. Brad Hilsebeck. Former CEO, Grantham, Mayor Otto, Mayo Von Otterloo and Company, and Minority Investor Wings at the Dallas Wings, Eric Coleman, um, of the Sparks. Uh, Mark Walter also owns the Sparks, also own as a part, shareholder of the Sparks. Laureen Power Jaws, founder and president of Emerson Collective. Ted Leonis, Leonis Lances, the man um, guy brought you the Mystics and Wizards, as well as the Capitals. Jeans that has a Murin. Former chairman and CEO of MGM Resource International, Nike Incorporated, former former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, Angela Ruggiero. If that name if that name rings a bell to you, former hockey player Herbert Steve Simon, Hall of Fame hockey player Herbert Steve Simon, the guys that brought you Indiana Fever, Indiana Fever, and the, and the Indiana Pacers, and Joe and Clarissa, the owners of the New York Liberty and the Brooklyn Nets. That's business for you. That's business for you. That's business for you. Even when you are, but when you are trashing a product that 
features players playing the game the right way or trying to be more advocately. Talented players do or you deserve the right to be labeled a fucking asshole. I can't wait because I can't wait to see the product thrive and survive and see how it goes well. But because, like, and like, it's just like, and just like last weekend, the NBA also and the NBA also again. Chris Ball was named inaugural recipient of the Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Advocacy Award. I mean, that guy. I mean, he, he's advocating for women's sport for women's sports because, after all, for he's a he's a member of the Phoenix Suns. Owned by the same guy that owns the line, the Phoenix Mercury. The same team as Diana Taurasi, a former Yukon Husky. You have got to be, this has got to be the most clownish, clownish comment, comment or the clownish video I've ever saw. And as many news videos are trash, she's dissing women left and right. Yes, one. Yes, there are not all, but yeah, well, yeah, that's true, but not all women are gold diggers, mind you. And not all women are be- or not all women are evil. My mama would have slapped the taste out of me if I did one of those things right now, if she was still breathing. But let me say this. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Women, are res- women should be respected, and when... When you when it's that sexist, if you cried about a league that cares so much about the sport you love, it's like, hey, I'm defending the sport. The NBA, the WNBA, is getting a lot of investment from owners who own either WNBA franchises and or both. And then be, I mean, if you want to, I mean, this is a great. Opportunities. I mean, as a fan, this is a this is a friggin' win. If you are a detractor and you're bitching and moaning like you're an asshole, I don't take you seriously. I don't take and I don't take a dude who has a as a bulldog. For a profile picture, seriously, because that's the she does. He says say shit because you just when you say outrageous shit, you're pretty much screwed over. And we got plenty to talk about with that. But I like, but that's my thoughts on this. We're gonna move along with the. We're gonna move along with the entire episode, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Home Turf Sports on Anchor. I know I get it. You're looking for the best shirts in town, something that associates with the area, or something like that? Let Mac of Amityville help you out. Of course, Mac is the home of the of Mac T-shirts, Long Island Toss T-shirts, Island Tribe T-shirts, and plenty of cool stuff, merchandise you can find. This is the best shop you ever find here, shop in Amityville. Well, check them out down on down on Route One Ten and Ten at, next to the next to the Amityville Amityville train station. That's that's minutes from the Amityville train station. I mean, and don't forget to check them out and check them out today. Long you got Rucker Harlem has Rucker Lincoln Queens got Lincoln, but uh, but Long Island has the Mac. All right, we're back with home tour sports. Yes, folks, the Nets will play tonight at home. They'll face the Toronto Raptors in a, in a good Atlantic Division showdown. But the big story that came out today, um, New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he cannot make a vaccine mandate exception for its biggest star, Kyrie Irving. Irving cannot, as of right now, Irving cannot play in any home games as of games, as long as he's unvaccinated. I've been taking the shot sort since last year, shots last year, and I'm doing all right with it. 
According to Bleacher Report, New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he will not make an exception for Kyrie Irving to play home games for the Brooklyn Nets as the city begins to roll back COVID-19 mandates. Maybe And, and of course, there's going to be a lot of reactionaries that are going to have a problem with that. But, but there's a lot of visit, but then, but this, but there, when you make a decision that affects everybody, then yes, you do, you do what you have to do. Mandates are going to be roll, are rolled back. COVID is slowly, slowly, slowly dying down right now. Adam's gone on a, on CNBC see, um, to earlier today. He said, "Listen, I want Kyrie on the court." I I would do anything to get that ring so badly. I want it, but there's so much at stake here. I spoke with the owner of the team. We want to find a way to get Kyrie on the court, but this is a bigger issue. I can't have my city closed down again. It would send a wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed. That's not the right thing to do. Of course, New York City is planning to eliminate vaccination requirements for indoor facilities such as sports arenas, restaurants, starting March 7th. However, mandates for large employers in the city will remain in place, meaning Irving will still not be able to play for the Nets in New York for the time being. Under the relaxed rules, he would be able to be entered the Barclays Center as a spectator. Adams acknowledged the court rules, which which allow unvaccinated non-New York athletes to play in the city, but not unvaccinated residents put the Nets at a disadvantage. Of course, that instead I said, I don't know who thought of putting such a ridiculous rule in place of unvaccinated away teams can come and play when our teens from New York can't. But these water rules, and I have to follow the follow the rules. If I don't, I'm going to open a door that is sending the wrong message to everyday employees. Now, Irving has steadfastly refused to go undergo COVID nineteen vaccination, despite the issue causing him to miss numerous games and paychecks. As a result, the Nets have been one of the NBA's most disappointing teams this season, thanks in part to Irving's absence which in turn arguably helped push James Harden over the edge to request a midseason trade to Philadelphia. Of course, the NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has also said NBA New York's current rules do not make sense as it pertains to the health and safety of players and spectators. According no, no timetable for removing the mandate impacting Irving has been set. So that's one thing. Well... When the rules are rules here. But I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie. You're gonna have when you have Seth Curry, Andre Drummond coming in from the Philadelphia trade. Um there's gonna be now of course there's gonna be I don't know. How do you, how, I know Kyrie is able to play on the road, but at home, not so much. Of course, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie. The Nets are struggling. The Nets are still struggling down there, but. Rules are rules. And you know that's how and that's how and that's how it should be. Not gonna Meanwhile over over in pathetic land where way too much mojo vision it's put on display. I mean, it's probably. I mean, look at the score. When you look at the scoreboard, you know we saw. You know we saw. 
we are in this match. The next the next are like five game five five game losing streak. Something has to be done here. Boy. It's just losing. And we lost to Philadelphia. A couple Philadelphia. They're back on the court against them on Wednesday. This is the pathetic organ. This has got to be the most pathetic kind of organization. organization. I mean, we had a trip we lost to uh, to Sixers led by James Harden's triple-double. That chemistry, uh, chemistry basically sucks. RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett's being wasted right now. Because we got a stubborn coach who can, I got a stubborn coach who's probably shouldn't be able, shouldn't be allowed to coach anymore. It's like Mike Keenan, it's like Mike Keenan, all the Mike Keenan with the, oh, with the, with the goddamn St. St. Louis Blues and later the um, Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers, Carolina Cal- Calgary Flames. Right after he won a World Series, the right after he won a World Series, right after he won a Stanley Cup. I mean, I am la- I am embarrassed. I am embarrassed. To be a New York Knicks fan right now. I am embarrassed to even like to make say this organ they're not making me happy they're not making me happy here. They can't they cannot they cannot win. They cannot make they cannot make they cannot win. They cannot Get some wins. I mean, give me a break here. How is it that when we, when we as fans deserve the better, deserve better, and all we get, and all we get is, all we get is garbage. Are we la- are we laughing at the are my am I feeling the same? Am I seeing hey am I am I am I loving this team right now? Do I look like a happy guy right now? Do I look like I'm happy right now? Do I oh no Hell no Makes me, makes me absolutely stomach, give me a stomach virus to watch this team. Nine out of the last ten games, five game losing streak. Who's to blame? Everybody wants to, everybody just wants to. Tom Thibodeau to get the fuck out. We probably, uh, and if you look at this, I mean, we'll probably we'll probably get a nice decent draft pick and a lot go in the lottery. Will he go back to that rebuild? But at the end of the game, end of the day, I mean, it's time to end. It's time to end. Oh yeah, I mean Todd Thibodeau said. I mean this is getting. I mean this has got to end, and somewhere down to hell. Leon Rose wants to kiss the boy. Todd Thibodeau 
it's like going for the old, for his old guy, for old guys. Come on. It's time for somebody to get fresh to get the guys on the court, get the young guys off the court, and some of these old fogies, old guys out. No more no more coddling. No more, no more. I can't hurt this team. I can't hurt them. It's time to get it's time to get it's time to get them out of there. It's time to get Tom Thibodeau out of there. We'll be right back. I know your shirts are bland, your hats are bland, your businesses are bland, bland, so why not give it a facelift with L.I. Tops? L.I. Tops is is Long Island's home for custom shirts, custom vats, and of course, putting putting up vinyl banners for you and all your stuff for your businesses and whatever have you. Long Island Tots is home to some of the with some of the best guys in the business to work to get this get make sure your product stands out from the best. Don't forget to visit them. Don't forget to give them a chance to out. Li Chops, if it ain't us, it ain't lit. That's L I T O P E Ops. I know what you want to hear. We're in deadline day. The union and the league need to get together and say, you know what? Let's get this done today. Let's get it done so we don't have to cancel games. I said this way, like, what the fuck are they doing? ESPN's baseball reporter Jeff Passan wrote on ESPN that Major League Baseball is in a crisis of its own making. Yeah, I know. A self-inflicted wound born of equal parts hubris, short-sightedness, and stubbornness from a class of owners who run the teams and seemingly have designs of running the game into the ground. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, yeah, a lot of stubborn guys, and we won't see any Yankee games this year. Thanks a lot, guys. You, you, of course, barring a miracle, eleventh hour agreement Monday on the new on the new labor deal that ends the, its lockout of the MLB Players Association. The league has said it will cancel opening day games. Oh yeah, thanks, guys. We. Thanks, guys. You make us you made us feel like you made us feel all better. That baseball finds itself on the premises of such an ugly denouncement is no accident. It is a study of the consequences of bad behavior, of indignities big and small, of abiding by the letter of the law while ignoring its spirit, and worst of all, of alienating those who make the sport great. Even also alienates the fans. You're probably never going to see me go watch another, listen to another Yankees game after this. If they don't get a deal done, and some games are canceled, I'll probably listen to my, I'll probably listen to Mozart all summer long, unless they get, unless they, unless they get their acts together. Of course, the players are angry at the trajectory of the negotiations, which have inched along for almost a year with little demonstrable progress. How do they feel right now? What is that? They're tired of the game they love saying, and both active and passive, it does not love them back. Of course, it. Yeah, who can blame them? Of course, pay or play has decreased for four consecutive years. Even as industry revenues grew and franchise values soared, the would and the would-be stewards of the game pleaded to anyone who would listen that baseball, that owning a baseball team isn't a particularly profitable venture. 
where service time has been manipulated to keep them from free agency and salary arbitration. Yeah, that's a real cheap way to get and make money. The luxury tax instituted to discourage runaway spending has morphed into a de facto salary cap. And too many teams are nowhere near it anyway. Instead, gutting their rosters and slashing their payrolls because the games and games rules incentivize losing. Otherwise, other, otherwise called tanking or twist or the process, and so and so. Of course, the commissioner has called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Really? And the league has awarded the team that did its best job curtailing arbitration salaries a replica championship belt. What? 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 What are we? What in the world? What kind of world are we living in? This league is a comedy act in of itself. Of course, any of these is a problem. In aggregate, they have served as a call to action for the players who even now struggle to pull off the delicate banner of being aggrieved while trying to negotiate a larger piece of a $10 billion plus pie. The MLBA, MLBPA grew into the strongest union in the United States during the late 60s, 1960s and 70s by marrying morality and money, by fighting for itself and for the betterment of the game simultaneously. Now, following a quarter of a century of labor peace and a relative complacency that accompaniment covenant, the players are energized and engaged beyond what they even what what even they expected. And again, I mean, they and again, who can blame them? Of course, we're just tr- we're just trying not to get screwed. One player told ESPN, "Easy as it is to point to the average major league salary, $4.17 million dollars last opening day." As a sign, players aren't on the wrong end of anything. It's also facile. Financing sports is a zero-sum game. What doesn't go to the players goes to the league and teams and owners control how their teams spend money. Since 1994, players tried to cancel the World Series, thus ending the Yankees' championship run at that year. And especially over the last two collective bargaining agreements, the league has through uncanny negotiating being itself to be the aggressor a role in which, with which it has grown comfortable and familiar of course on December 2nd when the league instituted what commissioner Rob Manfred in a letter to fans called a defensive lockout MLB active first ostensibly within in the name of proactivity we hope that the lockout will jumpstart the negotiations Manfred wrote the league then waited 43 days to present the union with its next offer. This is kind of be the most pathetic, or this is probably the most pathetic thing Rob Manfred has done. Now the sides find themselves at another infection point, inflection point, one with the ability to do grave harm to the game. A disastrous outcome, Manfred said recently. Without a deal, the league says. Games will be missed and player salaries lost. If the players... Don't get paid for 162 games, they say. They refuse to agree to postseason expansion. One of the NMLB's key targets in any new deal. Neither knows for certain if the other is bluffing. I players do not players do know that they, they don't trust the league. And those misgivings only amplify concerns that they already pre- permeate their 1,200 main group. The next basic agreement will, for better or worse, govern the sport over the next half decade, and the players are well aware of the ways front offices ever seeking the slightest advantage of over their competitors will plumb the document for opportunities to gain the system in their favor. Getting the right deal is the player's only recourse, and their position is simple. The sport needs to evolve with its aspirations. Baseball remains a game with incredible upside, with a collection of players young and dynamic and eminently likable. There is ample room for improvement to the sport itself, which has grown to plotting for a wide swath of young, would-be fans who regard it as slow and boring. 
some I mean I'm an, I love the game of baseball. I wore a Yankee hat for crying out loud. Of course, the players have prepared themselves to miss games to forfeit more than $20 million a day in salaries. They believe a bad agreement, one that attempts to further neuter their power, could do even more damage. Of course, it could be a faulty premise, even if the players outfox the lords of baseball, as John Helliar called the owners in his indispensable book of the, on the history of the game's labor strife, Lords of the Realm. The inherent nature of the owner-worker dynamic may be too strong to reverse, but over the last few months, as they've grown more emboldened, they found a voice that the MLBPA has lost. The players steel themselves to stand behind a cause that rang true across the rank of file, doing what's right for the game, and they, they've spent their lives loving and living. Well, there's got to be a lot of plenty of talk. But there has to be a little compromise. Onward, on day 89 of the lockout, with MLB willing to emulate the game to achieve its goals, it's important to understand how far apart the sides are and why the narrative that the players aren't giving up anything substantive in negotiations is false. Players walked into bargaining asking for the moon, but possessing a weak hand, not exactly the sort of combination that affects change. They outlined four key areas. They wanted the new agreement to address, getting their players paid more earlier in their careers, fixing service time manipulation, preventing teams from tanking and removing restraints on free agency, and attacked them with some ex of an extensive set of proposals. Some, like reducing the six-year reserve period for some players to reach free agency, were done on arrival. Others, such as our offering arbitration to all players after their second full season instead of the standard third, were unlikely to gain traction. More still, an anti-taking plan that would institute a draft lottery to penalize teams for habitual losing and a pre-arbitration bonus pool to enrich the best young players made too much sense for the league to ignore. What, what players had to give, give in exchange for their ask was simple. The sort of thing that tends to carry today in labor league labor negotiations money and who wouldn't even ask that up in the weeks leading up to the lockout the players offered two chips with significant value the first was expanded playoffs players have stayed firm at moving from 10 teams to 12 but balked at the league's preferred format of 14 teams agreeing to it would provide mlb with a guaranteed 100 million dollars from espn which secured the broadcast rights for an expanded wild card round. The second time, second income stream will come from on uniform advertising. Between uniform passes and helmet decals, the teams will be expected to generate at least $150 million, according to sources. In all, the union can guarantee well over a quarter million dollars a year in new revenue, on the assumption that half of it would return fit will return to the players. Certainly, the league has taken steps towards some of the union's more right-minded goals and will be acceded to, acceded to the lottery. It moved on from service time manipulation. From a financial perspective, however, players continue to wait for the league to match their outlay. The size of the disparity is unclear. The league offered to bump its minimum salary offer Sunday, sources said, something that will be worth tens of millions of players. The league's bonus pool offer, last reported at $20 million, is another priority for the union. Draft, pool, draft bonus pools are expected to grow. Other changes offered by the league, such as implementing the designated hitter in the National League and scrapping a draft pick penalty for signing free agents, have some value. The more guaranteed money goes to players, the likelier a deal becomes. None of this is new, of course. Players organized it in the 1960s to combat a cadre of owners who had hoarded profits for decades. What has changed is the size of the pot. A $1.3 billion a year salary after the strike octupled in size that has done a little change to the rhetoric among some ownership hawks who desire for a salary cap is the desired endgame. Unlike the NFL, NBA, and NHL, baseball's uncapped system does not have a salary floor, allowing teams to spend as little as they want. 
The Pittsburgh Pirates' final payroll in 2021 was $50.3 million, their lowest since 2010, and less than one-fifth of the Los Angeles Dodgers. That disparity, baseball has long contended, couldn't, could be ruinous for the sport. In the letter, in his letter, the play, Manfred wrote, "The Players Association's visions for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive. It was classic MLB, the sort of fear-mongering the league long ago perfected. This was also under the Selig tenure, and so it's un, it's undeniable that money does buy a team the ability to wet their mistakes more easily. The notion that baseball needs a fixed system to solve a dear." Theoretical competitive balance program that I, that that the cap leagues avoid. This is stand up to something far more reliable than the desires of owners. History. In 2001, Passan continues, and movie commissioner Bud Selig went in front of Congress and spoke of baseball's great financial woes. The sport had lost more than 500 million dollars the year before. He told representatives who openly doubted the veracity of his numbers. Without a salary cap, Steelick continued, not only might baseball need to contract two teams, it would never achieve competitive balance. The phrase that has become baseball's tried and true alarm bell, red meat for low revenue markets. Steelick didn't get a salary cap, but a, but a year later, the league negotiated the framework of the competitive balance tax, otherwise known as the CBT, that exists to this day. Since the CBT survival in, in 2003, 13 MLB franchises have won the World Series, and 19 have played in it. Th- that is the exact... Well... That is the exact same number of teams as in the salary cap the NFL. Far better than the nine champions and 14 competitors in the salary cap NBA, and right there with the 11 Stanley Cup winners and 21 finalists in the salary cap NHL. In the championship seasons prior to the CBT era, 14 organizations won the World Series and 20 made it. The CBT was a was about competitive balance, like Citizen Kane was about a sled. Over that time, the CBT has risen, and the game has not collapsed. Baseball is too random for that. It was subject to the vagarities of chance, always then and always now, as always forever going forward. Any restraint on spending will be about restraining restraining spending. And will be sold to CBT as a way to rein in so-called runaway spending by the New York Yankees. Over time, though, the real intent, a salary cap and cheap's closing, revealed itself. The tax rate screwed. Draft pick penalties joined the fray. Of all the brilliant negotiating Manfred did during assignments, the league's lead labor lawyer, his work on turning the CBT from carrot to stick stands out. In September 2017, he said the quiet part out loud in an interview with a San Diego TV station. He said, we have tried to deal with payroll disparity by limiting through the use of taxes the very highest payroll clubs. For the first time in the 25 years since I've been in baseball, everybody in the top quartile of clubs had payrolls that actually went down this year due to the increased penalties that were negotiated as part of this collective bargaining agreement. Nothing illustrates the evolution of the CBT quite well as the 2021 season. Only the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres exceeded the $210 million threshold. Five other teams, however, came within 3.4 million of it. Of course, MLB had orchestrated the coup of financial coups in collective bargaining, getting what amounts to a salary cap without a floor or a guaranteed revenue split. The players noticed. They saw how over the saw how over the previous two collective bargaining agreements, the CBT threshold rose about 18%, while industry revenues grew by about at least 40 they saw that in 2018, long before COVID existed, their average salaries went down as they did again in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, even as the biggest deals in the sport were going at 300 million plus guaranteed contracts were no longer outliers. They saw franchise value exploding to the point that in 2021, Forbes estimated the 30 MLB teams were worth a combined $55.28 billion. Wow. That's a lot of 
That's a lot of fucking money. Ten years ago, only two collective bargaining agreements earlier combined to their valuations were fifteen point sixty-eight billion. They saw they saw teens continue to mimic Celix rhetoric that baseball is a little more than a break-even business, whether MLB claiming a lack of profi- profitability while boasting such gaudy franchise values and generating eleven figure revenues is voodoo accounting. Accounting, intentional obfuscation, or some combination of the two matters not. What does matter is the players saw it, and it infuriated them. Oh, boy. This is comically, this is comically long, long and long and long. But I'll say this. A lot of money. There's a lot of money. And a lot of problems. Of course, it was all part of the game, same, bigger than a game the league was playing. One away spending leads to limiting through taxes. The six year reserve period, the so sacrosanct, turned into seven years when teams realized they could wheel and wheel an extra season out of a player if they sent him to the AAA or out of spring training. During a full year of service, players need to spend 172 days on a major league roster. In his first season in MLB and a National League Wicked of the Year, Chris Bryant was on the club's roster for 171. He filed a grievance. The art trader ruled in favor of the Cubs. One general manager said, It's horrible. Six years should be six years. But what are we supposed to do? Not take advantage of them? We're going to continue about this when we get back. Miss the segment? Don't worry, Home Tour Sports got you covered. Don't f- don't forget to check us out on Anchor immediately after the Species episodes end. And the new, new episodes air every day at two on Species, as well as launching on a, and as well later on today on Anchor and where or and wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, folks, we're back with this episode. Of course, we're going to have to conclude with this column written by Jeff Passan earlier today. It continues as such. If you missed it, check it out and check it out. Of course, here it is. For teams, service time manipulation was seen as a feature, not a bug. And, and as an ad with the CBT, the league codified some of its greatest advantage at the bargaining table after decades of getting dismantled at the table. MLB has in the 20 years since recruited a deep roster of top-notch labor lawyers and economics economists, and succeeded in changing the paradigm, paradigm beyond its wildest dreams. As the, as the agreements continue to worsen for the players, little embarrassment, embarrassment started to add up. The Cubs and World Houston Astros won back-to-back World Series in 2016 and 2017 after intentionally bottoming, bottoming out to get better draft position. Because of the amateur draft pool implemented, first implemented in 2012, tanking for a draft position, intentionally fixed fielding a bad team, became a strategy. Of course, look what it did for Philly. With the Philadelphia 76ers, arbitration has always been a contentious process, and players were living when they learned MLB celebrated tamping down salaries by awarding a championship belt to the team that did its best during spring training 2020 when the MLB was reading from reeling from its widespread criticism by players that that Manfred had been too soft on the Houston Astros for cheating during their championship run he referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal in an interview with ESPN's Carl Ravage a piece of metal was the Gulf of Tonkin long one longtime baseball man said, It was the aha moment for everyone. And then he did it again recently with everything about how owning a team that isn't profitable, treating players like they're stupid has never worked. It's never been a great approach. Worse baseball as teams can't help from doing it. And it's a symptom of those who in ownership who regard players with disdain and struggle to stomach the notion 
that they weren't the salaries they received. There, there are good owners, ones who prioritize winning about profits, and understand baseball is widely different from the businesses which made their billions. Sports is a unique industry. Typically, workers make a product. In baseball, they are the product. The game of baseball is the framework, and in, 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 it, in it exists two classes, players and owners. Players spend their lives just chasing the leagues. Just making it there is improbable. Staying long enough to make life-changing money is a miracle. Owners, on the other hand, at least those who don't inherit their teams, join a baseball world just as they would a country cup by buying membership. If, if you went and got the next 120 best players in the world, the product would suffer greatly. If you handed MLB teams over to 30 competent business people, the sport would not suffer. Actually, it might improve. It doesn't take a billionaire to leverage a spot in a legalized monopoly with profound built-in revenues. The Yankees are not the Yankees with if Babe Ruth, Luke Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, and Yogi Berra didn't win. Without the, be without the best players, they aren't in the World Series. And without championships, they're little more than an organization in a big market whose laundry features pinstripes. At least, they, at least I'll let it slide for now. One would think, think then that a league would recognize that its profits exist because of Shohei Otani, Fernando Tatis Jr., Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Mickey Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and others would see players. Concerns about the state of the game, not as trivial or excessive or outrageous, but vital. It took it took until two days before the league's deadline, but MLB finally accepted its union's idea of awarding a full year of service to players, even if they didn't spend 172 days on a roster. In this case, the top two vote-getters in each league's working year balloting. After Manfred's lockout announcement, it's contention that investing in stocks is more profitable than owning a team and the general unwillingness of the league to acknowledge that maybe this group of players really is as united as it contends. The move registered less as an important concession, more as an atom to the part these discussions isn't moving and can take opening day with it. On Friday afternoon, Manfred and Tony Clark, the executive director of MLPPA, Met at Matrity Stadium, the spring complex of the St. Louis Cardinals and Miami Marlins were the size have been all week. Over the four previous days, bargaining has gone nowhere. In a side session, Manfred has asked Clark for a comprehensive proposal that included a move on a CBT. The league has stayed at $214 million and the union at $245 million since the lockout. And the union was under the impression that even if it made a small move on the CBT, the league was reciprocate with something more. The next day, the union proposed what it considered major moves. It removed from the proposal any changes to the revenue sharing system. It dropped its asks on Super 2. So 22% of players with the most service time in each 2-plus class go to an arbitration a year early from 75 to 35%. From 75% to 35%. And it made that small CBT move. Feeling two million off its asks in two years of the proposal. Some player leaders disagreed with the strategy, but representatives from all 30 teams signed off on it during a call. MLB sent the proposal to the owners and came and back came an offer two hours later from lead negotiators Dan Halem and Colorado Rockies owner Dick Bonford, head of the MLB's Labor Policy Committee. The, meaning, the meaningful counter of the union expected instead was a $1 million raise on a CBT for one year and a reduction, reduction of coverage overage by overage by at least 45% for the first threshold, 62 for the second, and 95 for the third. All significantly worse than the 20, 30, 30%, 32%, 62.5% for first-time offenders in the expired basement agreement. That the non-monetary penalties, including the loss of a first-round pick in the amateur draft and a theoretical international draft for exceeding the third threshold, were still there. Submitting the fact that the CBT that MLB is offering now is worse than the one that just expired. When one applies the offer, players' emotions vary. One said he was at furious, just incredibly pissed. Another deflated. We thought this was going to get things moving. 
the league regarded the union's offer as another in a long line of bad proposals. This one because the MLB before the lockout already had to told the union into revenue sharing and changes to the Super 2 were non-starters for ownership. The league's declaration of, of certain topics as off-limits never sat well with the players. This is, as MLB liked to say, liked to say a negotiation while revenue sharing could be seen as a third rail, expanding Super 2s, something that has been done multiple times in bargaining, belonged nowhere in that realm. Whether it's real or the strategy is unclear, MLB's line in the sand only fortified the players' belief that they are in, they had engaged in a months-long charade. The coming days will show how real the league's threat of a hard deadline actually is. Multiple agents believe MLB is handling this like it does an arbitration case. Wait, 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 and then at the last minute, when it looks impossible, get it done. Sunday brought some progress before CBT discussion. So not though not the sort that lasted 24 hours before a deadline offers more, more much hope, unless the league makes an unprecedented and entirely unexpected move in which it deviates significantly from its position on almost every key issue at the last minute, and the union response in kind. Baseball will find itself in the same place as it did in the summer of 2020, trying to figure out when the season will begin. Of course, the fear and uncertainty of COVID's early days clouded those negotiations, and Manfred said at a news conference following the lockout that he would not equate the two. If they're not the same, they're at ve- they are ve- very least related. The frustration that accompanied a, la- a lack of a deal and eventual implementation of a 6 game season by Manfred in 2020 only has grown in the time since. In the meantime, players will do what they've been doing for months, sending another, sending one sending one another messages about the current state of affairs and more often than the commissioner may realize, screenshots at Manfred's golf scores at winged foot, as found on Reddit. Gallows humor is the only kind of place these days, when players' lives and livelihoods are interrupted for no good reason other than that the owners can't. Eventually, there will be a deal, and it's likely that when there is, little will have changed about what one official called the game's mangled, Frankenstein economical system. The existential, the existential elements of the game, pace of play, capturing young fans, gambling, will have gone on touch at a time when real dialogue could have put the game in a far better position. If there's any hope for 2027, not devolving into something even worse than this lockout, source of conversation should happen regularly and include players young and old League officials and a cross-section of owners. Well, pivoting with an eye on the future is the best way to salvage the sport that the damage this lockout has done. Though it's not over, and it may not it may not be anytime soon, there are lessons to be learned to prevent baseball labor relations from taking a time machine back to the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. Already, this is the second longest period of labor strife in baseball history. And though it's not transactions that douse the hot stove and generally cast the sport in an awful light, until today, the most tangible thing was lo- thing lost was spring training. Soon, it, that won't be the case. This is Rob Manfred's disaster, the league's disaster, the owner's disaster, and it's been a long time coming. Tell you one thing, it's his, it's Rob Manfred's best. How the hell you? How the, and do you blame the owners for it? Do you blame the players for it? Heck no. This is felt. This is on Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred alone. This is on ownership, including my Yankees, beloved New York Yankees. You guys, you guys, earned this brand of criticism. Enjoy, yeah. Enjoy every minute of it. That's why you. That's why this lockout needs to end and end right now. If it happens, I'll talk to you about it tomorrow. So stay put where you are. One final note before we do go. It looks like FIFA just suspended Russia from the World Cup. And you wait for those teams out of the European competition. It's been reported. Russia has been kicked out of the 2022 World Cup in Equator. 
by FIFA after the world governing body in the European Association, UEFA issued a joint statement to confirm that all Russian national teams and clubs have been suspended until further notice following the invasion of Ukraine. That is the biggest consequence. What's the biggest consequence for Russia for the for Russia as of late? You go of course, the growing pressure from European nations and the International Olympic Committee, FIFA, and UEFA confirmed Monday that Russia would have no involvement in the upcoming World Cup playoffs. Russia was were due to play Poland in a semifinal ahead of the potential final against Sweden or the Czech Republic in March, and, the, and that the Russia's Russian women's Russian women's team will be removed from the European Championships. Due to be staged in England in July. Sport at Moscow have also been removed from the from the Europa League, meaning round the round of sixteen opponent RB Leipzig, a Red Bull Red Bull owners of, owned by Red Bull, will be handed a bye to the quarterfinals of the competition. In a further move, UEFA confirmed that it was canceling its deal with sponsor Gazprom. The Russian energy company, which is worth of one forty million euros a year in the organization, the way for decision comes after Saint Petersburg was stripped of hosting the rights to this season's championship league Champions League final, with Paris stepping in to follow, following the move to take the showpiece fixture away from the Russian city. Of course, in a statement, FIFA and UEFA said. Following the initial decisions adopted by the FIFA Council and the UEFA Executive Committee which envisaged the adoption of additional measures FIFA and UEFA have today decided together that all Russian teams, whether national representative teams or club teams, shall be suspended from participation in both FIFA and UEFA competitions until further notice. These decisions were adopted today by the Bureau of the FIFA Council and the Executive Committee of UEFA, respectively the highest decision-making bodies of both institutions on such urgent matters. Football is fully united here and in full solidarity with all the people affected in Ukraine. Both presidents hope that the situation in Ukraine will improve significantly and rapidly so that football can once can be again be a vector for unity and peace amongst people. Commenting on the decision to cut ties with Gazprom, UEFA said, UEFA has today decided to end its partnership with Gazprom across all competitions. The decision is effective immediately and covers all existing agreements, including the UEFA Champions League, the UEFA National Team Competitions, and UEFA Euro, Euro 2024. Big consequences for that, big consequences for Russia because they decided to be act like bullies in Ukraine. And that's going to do it for this edition of Home Tour Sports. Glad to be part of, glad to be part of your evening specials or your late early afternoon ritual. Always suck us out on Home Turf Sports 1 on Twitter. Don't forget to check us out. Check out my personal site, Home Turf Sports uh, uh, 2021 on Instagram. My personal profile on Twitter, Matthew Holly. And I'll be back tomorrow with an all new episode. So long, everybody.